Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I hope you are doing well. Despite all of us having not seen a win by the Cincinnati Bengals yet in 2019, Zach Taylor remains winless. The Bengals are 0-8 as they lost to the Rams in London 24-10. The game was a bit close for a while. It was uh, close through the first kind of two and a half quarters or so. And then as it ha- has always gone, once the third quarter hit, you know, the Bengals kind of fell behind by a couple of possessions and never really recovered. By the way, if you put money on this game, if you put, if you're somebody that uh, picked the Rams to cover, you have to be pretty pleased because the Rams were 13 point favorites and they won by 14. So uh, Vegas kind of knew what they were what they were doing when they made the line there. Um, there, there are a lot of different twists and turns, and you know, a lot. It's something different to talk about every week, but with with each one of these losses and they they the way they occur see, seem to be very similar. Um, I, I kind of feel like I sound like a broken record, but really, I mean, if you look at the game today and you look at what happened with the Bengals today, the story of the game was just missed plays by the Bengals, missed opportunities, missed plays. Um, and really that's a sign of a, of a, of a poor football team. When you're not capitalizing on golden opportunities to change the narrative of the game, potentially change the result of a game and you don't, you don't take advantage. So case in point, Let's go. If you go back to, I believe it was the second quarter. The Cincinnati, uh, it was like a third and ten. Cincinnati's defense was on the field. Um, right away, they go to Cooper Cup. Sean Williams. I, I'm sorry, I take that back. This was the third quarter. This was the third quarter. They go to Cooper Cup for a big gain on a third and ten. Sean Williams is a step behind, makes a big hit on Cup. He hangs onto the ball. Rams continue to move forward. I, I believe it was uh, like a 30-yard pass play. Very next play, Goff drops back and throws the football late to the outside. Williams is there, kind of a sliding interception attempt. Hits him right between the numbers and in kind of the, the hands and the, the torso. He drops the ball, and that ends up leading, you know... It, it ends up leading to what part of the end result that we saw today. Then later in the game, another interception opportunity when the Bengals needed some sort of big play, another interception opportunity, the ball poor throw by Goff, 
bounces around three different defenders. Nobody can get their hands on the ball, falls harmlessly to the ground. And that's just, those are a couple plays on defense that the Bengals failed to capitalize upon. On offense, third quarter again, the Bengals were moving the ball a little bit. Auden Tate, uh, it was at the beginning of the third quarter. Auden Tate makes a double move to get past former Bengals defensive back Troy Hill, who's actually playing, uh, he has kind of a significant role with the Rams now, but gets by him wide open. Safety's nowhere in sight. There is nobody in there. All really, Dalton could throw a, a terribly underthrown ball, and it still would have been completed for a big game. If he throws a good ball, it, it might be a touchdown to Tate down the sideline. Instead, he lets it sail, and it goes way out of bounds, completely away from Tate. Um, these these are the things, and these are these are gimme plays. These are easy plays. These are plays that even the mediocre Bengals teams in the years past would have made. They're not making the easy plays. I don't know if it's a, a, a press thing. I don't know if it's a lack of concentration and a lack of focus because you are now 0-8. But these are the little things that end up being big things. You have to make these plays. You have to do that. And and when you're in games, a lot of these, I think four of the four or five of the eight losses were one possession losses. This one, I mean, those by two touchdowns, the Bengals were in this game for quite a bit. Same thing last week when they lost by, by 10 to Jacksonville. It seemed like a much closer game. And it's because they're not they're they're moving the ball they they do things and then they can't get out of their own way they make a mistake we can blame the uh, the defense a lot like i mentioned the two dropped interceptions uh they really didn't do that well against the run they were kind of carved up a little bit there obviously cooper cup and jared goff had field days against the Bengals. so you have to you have to blame the defense but in a stretch, in a critical stretch of the game, in the third quarter and the fourth quarter, Cincinnati's defense forced the Rams to punt three consecutive times. Okay, and this is when the 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 Rams scored a touchdown to start the, the third quarter, and then they punted three times from there. The Bengals on those drives, they're the following those punts. The Bengals offense takes the field. Four plays, one yard. A minute 49 off the clock. Then Bengals force another punt. Bengals get the ball back. Three plays, six yards, a minute 29 off the clock. Then in the fourth quarter, the big drive and the one that ended up kind of basically sealing the win for the Rams, 16 plays, 77 yards. They took four and a half minutes off the clock, but they turned it over on downs on a fourth and goal and didn't score. It, I talked about this last week. When one facet of your team ends up stepping up and doing their job on a struggling team, when they have these stretches where one of the three units ends up giving you big plays or does their job, the other units have to step up and do their job. So early in the game, Bengals offense was moving the ball. They actually had a little bit of a run game going. The defense wasn't able to stop Cooper Cup or anybody. Then later in the game, the defense gets three punt. They force three punts. Cincinnati's offense gets no points out of it. Two of the drives were basically a three and out. So that's that's indicative of coaching. That is indicative of effort level and uh, roster talent. It really it's kind of a, a perfect mix. And obviously the injuries aren't helping. All of that. Um, 
So, uh, you know, th those kind of things, those missed opportunities, and then that stretch right there of the forcing of three punts and the Bengals offense doing nothing, that really told the tale of the game, I thought. I'm going to get to some of these questions and comments that I'm seeing in both the live Facebook uh, and our YouTube channel. Thanks for joining us, How, however you may be tuning in to us. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider. If you just strictly subscribe to or, or like the Cincy Jungle Facebook page, that's fine. But we do have a podcast. Myself and Cincy Jungle contributor John Sheeran are part of it, uh, as are some other members of Cincy Jungle. So check out that podcast channel. The, one of the shows is the Orange and Black Insider. We've also got... Chalk Talk with Matt Minich, who's a Cincy Jungle contributor. He does some good film breakdown. Uh, we have Orange is the New Black with Ace Boogie and Zim Hooday as well. So check out all those shows, however you get your podcast audio, uh, whether that's through iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, any of that stuff. Check us out. We appreciate the support there. And these post-game videos and audio snippets of it are also available through the podcast channel if you're unable to join us live after each game. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, Trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. I'm, I'm looking a lot of I'm looking at a lot of the, you know stuff about trades trades who are we going to trade who are we going to trade who are the Bengals going to trade if you didn't hear earlier on Sunday Jason Lock and Four the CBS uh, Inside Info guy kind of said basically four players have been kicked around or or have been asked about from other teams but to the Bengals they have asked about Geno Atkins they have asked about Carlos Dunlap they have asked about Drake Kirkpatrick they have asked about um, uh, AJ Green, obviously. So it sounds like nobody's going to be traded. And uh, Eifert, I think, has also been in some conversations. They seem to be sort of willing to maybe part with him over everybody. But it sounds like same old, same old when it comes to the Cincinnati Bengals front office and the Brown family. They are unwilling to engage in trade talks. They are unwilling to part with some of these guys and get draft capital to potentially get a quarterback of the future next year, if that's the route they want to go, add other talent on the offensive line. I'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, linebacker, both those areas are hurting for talent. Um, maybe even wide receiver. Now, you know, especially if you let Green go, you know, maybe maybe if you have multiple first round picks, maybe Jerry Judy's in that conversation, the Alabama kid um, to, to team with Tyler Boyd. 
Whatever the case may be, there there are two sides to this. I understand some people are like, hey, do the fire sale, get the picks, shed some of this these contracts, get these guys out of here. I understand that. A lot of people are still feeling burnt about the team letting Andrew Whitworth walk and obviously seeing him still be successful and playing at a high level for Los Angeles. Um, and I understand that too. My thing, I'm kind of indifferent. My thing is create a plan commit to it and work that plan. So if the plan is we're going to, and again, this isn't going to be music to some of your folks' ears, but if your plan is either to stick with Andy Dalton or draft a new quarterback next year, okay. But then, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to hang on to AJ green, you better make sure you hang on to him for 2020 and beyond. Because if you just hang on to him for the final eight games of this season, which it sounds like he's going to, after this bye week he'll probably come back week 10. We think, uh, didn't really expect this thing to go on for about three months. But, um, if, if your plan is, Hey, you know, we're going to get green back. We're going to have Boyd back. You know, maybe we add some other supplemental pieces and then that's going to prop up either Dalton or new quarterback, whatever. Okay, fine. But commit the resources to extend AJ Green, commit the resources to make sure that your offense is going to be successful with him in the long term plans. Same thing with Tyler Eifert. Same thing with, you know, on defense. If you just extended Geno Atkins and Carlos Dunlap, if, you know, if your plan is to hang on to those guys, okay, but surround them with some help at linebacker and, and build around those pieces. If you're going to keep them, if you're not going to keep them. Okay. But, and you're going to stock up on the, on the draft picks and go that route. Fine. Add more scouts, be a preeminent scouting franchise and work the draft because that's your bread and butter. You can't kind of cut corners and kind of, for lack of better words, half asset. Uh, with these plans, you have to you have to create a plan and you have to commit to it. If the Bengals are going to hang on to some of these guys, which it sounds like they are, getting a lot of questions about the the, the trade stuff in here, it sounds like they're going to hang on to all these guys. Okay, but you better create a plan and commit to that plan to continue to build around those guys and right this ship as quickly as possible because those guys, particularly Green, Kirkpatrick, Geno, Dunlap, those guys are coming on the home stretch of their careers. So. You know, if you're going to keep them, you better make sure that you're going to keep them long term and that you're going to set them up to be effective. If you're not, then you better commit the resources to the draft to make sure that you hit on a very high percentage, which you have not been doing as a franchise in recent draft classes. That's my stance on the whole trade thing. Do it one way, do it the other. I don't really care, but make sure you've got a plan in place the resources available to make sure that that plan is executed correctly, because that has not been a strong point of this, of this Bengals team. And it's, it's evident by the 0-8 start this year. Uh, very evident. And it's been evident in their, in their history. Um, I'm seeing there were uh, some other questions. Oh, offensive line. I wanted to talk about this. I, you know, we, we know we knew going into this year that the offensive line was going to be a major issue, and some of these some of these guys, uh, most of them have not played well, but they've been pressed into action because of either ineffectiveness or injury on the offensive line. We still don't know what's going on with Jonah Williams. Uh, we don't know about Cordy Glenn um, and that relationship there. That seems to be a broken relationship between he and the Bengals too. So, but I mean, I really looked at it. 
yeah, Trey Hopkins has played has played pretty. He's played okay throughout a good chunk of the year. Uh, Billy Price has been up and down. But as you look at this team, they gave up five sacks today. Some of those were on Andy Dalton, by the way. Those weren't just the offensive line. As you look at that offensive line today, John Jerry at left tackle, Billy Price at left guard, Trey Hopkins, center, Alex Redman, right guard, Bobby Hart, right tackle. You can make an argument that none of those guys deserve to be a starting offensive lineman right now. You can make an argument that the Bengals in 2020 should not start any of those five on the offensive line next year. Maybe Billy Price, because he's still young. He is a first-round pick. You've got a lot of invested there. Maybe Hopkins, if you think some moments, positive momentum is build, building there. But there is a case to be made that the Bengals need to field five new offensive linemen, maybe this year, but definitely in 2020, than the five that we saw today in London. Um, there, there's just not there's not talent there. Bobby Hart and John Jerry today. Those are your bookend tackles folks today. False starts. Each, each of them had false starts. Each of them were, were responsible for sacks. Not just not good. Not good. And granted there's no Cordy Glenn. There's no Jonah Williams. This line would probably have been quite a bit improved with those two guys in there. They're not playing well. Uh, and that is a major driving force into uh, where I'm going to segue next, and that's Andy Dalton. He is not playing well. You can look at the numbers today, no turnovers, and uh, he had the touchdown pass. He's He had close to 300 yards. Well, he had over 50 attempts, guys, and there there was the egregious miss to Alden Tate that I mentioned earlier that was just a, an awful throw. There was a play at the end of the game uh, where – I think it was third or fourth down and he just, it was a third down, excuse me. Rams sh- showed blitz right away with their secondary players coming up to blitz him instead of kind of navigating the pocket or rolling out and trying to find something. Andy Dalton bailed out of the pocket right away and threw the ball away. I can't blame Dalton for some of his, where his headspace is at because of the guys that are in front of him, but it, it's not working. The offensive line quarterback combination is not working right now. It's it's simply not. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, Dalton's going to bear the majority of that brunt because he plays the most important position in the game. And he does deserve quite a bit of blame because he's missed quite a few throws. But he was relatively sharp early in the game. He was hitting some, some passes, uh, you know, some nice passes earlier in the game. Um He's had less to work with in terms of no AJ Green, no John Ross for most of the season. Uh, you know, the tight ends have been kind of ineffective. I, I get it, but that combination, it's that offensive line is causing Andy Dalton to regress. And uh, which is really, really disheartening because I think a lot of us figured this would be a career year for Andy Dalton under Zach Taylor and the lack of creativity um, just isn't helping things either. Um, so I saw someone else fire Anna Rumo. I think, I think there are some major indictments of this coaching staff Anna Rumo, obviously I think uh, they gave up around 500 yards, which would have been the third time this year that they did that. And it would have been four 
this is courtesy of Richard Skinner, by the way, the local Cincinnati media member. He put this out on Twitter. It would have been four if the Ravens didn't take kneel downs towards the end of that game. They would have had four games of 500 yards or more. Um, so a lot of issues there. There are some schematic issues where Sam Hubbard, one of their better pass rushers, continues to be dropped into coverage. I don't understand that. Early in the game, rookie linebacker Jermaine Pratt was forced to cover Josh Reynolds on, on, in, on the basically kind of a slot slash outside. It resulted in a touchdown. Don't know why you have that matchup going on. On the flip side, I mentioned what I mentioned with the Bengals offense. Zach Taylor early in the game, he kind of got the run game going. The Bengals were moving the ball a bit. They put some points up on the board. Absolute dry spell throughout the final quarters. And no, no more run game to speak of. I mentioned the three times the Bengals defense did step up and force punts. No points, minimal yards, with the exception of one, one of those drives that ended up being a turnover on downs by the offense. Nothing's really clicking here, guys. Nothing's clicking. Whether it's the coaching staff and the, the plays they're dialing up, um, obviously the, the lack of luck on the injury front, the regression of the quarterback and the offensive line. It's just, it's not working. It's not working. And uh, to be quite honest with you, there are stretches of this team that make it seem to be one of the worst Bengals teams I've, I've ever watched. Uh, there are, there are stretches where they look completely inept on offense and then they're giving up points on defense. And it's just, it's maddening. It's maddening. And, and maybe all of us are overvaluing some of the players they have on this roster in terms of their talent, but we've seen some of these guys play at very high levels. Joe Mixon led the AFC in rushing last year. He didn't magically get bad one year later. Um, Tyler Boyd, thousand yard receiver last year, had a few nice catches today, a few nice catches, but he's kind of in that pedestrian ish 50, 60 yards a game. Um, He didn't magically get bad. Uh, So, I mean, you're just seeing a lot of stale play calling a lot. And look, those, those two guys, Anna Rumo and Taylor, they're handcuffed too because of the injuries that they've suffered on this team. I understand that, but you got to adjust. You have to adjust. And when one of those units that has been struggling, I said this earlier, when they've been struggling and they actually step up and make a play, they get you in position to be successful. The other units have to step up and, and contribute. That's what makes you a good team. Otherwise, you're just going to sit there and keep, you know, chasing your tail. And that's that's what that's what the uh, that's what the Bengals are doing right now. I'm seeing a lot about the um, seeing a lot about the the Dolphins Bengals game, uh, the the winless bowl. Um, yeah, I mean, that's probably going to be for the, for the first overall pick there. That's going to determine that now that the Redskins have a win and and all of that, seeing a lot of, uh, seeing a lot of people talking about more, our our friend vape guy, who I think is our friend, John from Cincinnati or John from Kentucky, excuse me. Um, talking about Marvin Lewis. I, you know, I, I thought about, I've been thinking about him this week because, you now see he goes to Arizona State with Herm Herm Edwards, and they've turned that program around. It's never going to be, you know, a top ten national type of program, but they've made them very competitive in a matter of Herm Edwards was there, I think, 
last year, and then Marvin joined them this this past offseason here. But, um, I mean, they quickly turned around that team. They're competitive. I The way I was thinking about Marvin Lewis is not so much the on-field, uh, you know, big mastermind guru X's and O's guy. It's more to me in seeing – how he was able to do things. I think some things have come to light and more so this off season and more so this season when they're zero and eight and Mike Brown and company are easy targets for criticism and, and rightful targets for criticism. But I, when I was thinking about Marvin, I was thinking about how he was able to navigate the organizational issues and he was able to navigate around those and still get this team to be competitive. And I think that that after the, it was time to move on from Marvin. It was 16 years or no playoff wins. We know the thing, but I mean, I think what's lost in his three straight losing seasons with the team and him just kind of, you know, being replaced is, is that, is the fact that he was able to kind of navigate around these issues and create winning teams. And I worry, Grant's only half a year in, Zach Taylor could be the next, you know, next big thing. A couple of years from now, the Bengals could be in the position that the 49ers are because they drafted well. Maybe they made a few trades and or free agency moves. Obviously that would point to an organizational shift, but Maybe we're talking about the Bengals in the same way the 49ers are right now um, under Zach Taylor. And, you, you know, they're emulating that system over there that seems to be successful. But for now, I worry that Zach Taylor is not going to be able to find that same groove. And he doesn't have immediately find that same groove in terms of being able to build a team with the organizational shortcomings that he, that, automatically come with the Bengals and, and their management style. The other thing, you know, if you remember early in Marvin Lewis's time with the team, they actually spent some money in free agency. And that's part of the reason why they've crawled in a shell over the past decade. When it comes to free agency, they spent money on Antoine Odom. That didn't work out. They uh, spent money on Antonio Bryant. That didn't work out. And they keep hanging on to those failures as reasons why they don't want to do things in outside. They don't want to spend a lot of money in outside free agency. I don't really buy into it, but whatever. I mean, Ben Utech, they spent some money on him. That didn't work out. I mean, there, there are a couple of free agency failures in there. And, and Marvin pushed to get these guys. And the difference is Marvin immediately built up equity and reputation equity with the team because he had them almost in the playoffs his very first season. They went eight and eight. They almost had, they won that last game against Cleveland. They would have been in the playoffs. So he immediately built up reputation equity where management said, Hey, okay, you kind of know what you're doing. So we're going to, we're going to loosen up the reins a little bit and give you some control. And, and it went that way. I'm a little worried that Zach Taylor, number one, won't find the same kind of path to work around some of these issues with the Brown family. And I'm worried that obviously now he has yet to win a regular season game and he's halfway through his first season. So that equity's not there to be able to bend an owner's ear. Um, that's just my thought. I've thought about Marvin as well. Um, I think it's easy to do that when you're zero and eight, <laughs> but um, I, it, it was time for that relationship to, it was time, but you look at it now and I, 
I don't I don't know what kind of era we're entering right now. Obviously not off to a good start. I'm going to get out of here. We've been here for about 25 minutes. Uh, I, I appreciate all of you tuning in and listening to my rantings and ravings. Thanks for all your questions and comments. I think it's a cool thing as well. It looks, you know what I noticed about this? This isn't just me talking at all of you and you just kind of sending me things. A lot of you interact with each other on these platforms as well, which is really cool. It's kind of a, a little board for Bengals fans to come in and, and talk with each other, chat about what's going on with the team along with, you know, uh, interacting with me and, and listening to my thoughts as the Bengals as after each week. So hopefully you enjoy that aspect as well. Um, again, I'm Anthony Cazenza. You can find this stuff on the orange and black insider Bengals podcast channel on YouTube. It's also on the SB nation Cincy jungle podcast channel for the audio stuff. So check it out there. Um, it's all of our stuff's on Facebook live, uh, as well, the videos, and then you can get all the news, opinions, analysis, all that good stuff on cincyjungle.com. Get get all of that how you can. Appreciate you tuning in. We'll continue to get you stuff throughout the week in terms of material on this program and uh, as well as on the website. So check it out there. Thanks, everybody. Try and enjoy the rest of your weekend. And hopefully, if any of you made it to London for the game, I hope you had a great time. It looks like, from what I've seen, pictures and all that, it looks like a really cool experience. So if you made it out there, even though the result wasn't what you wanted, it seems like a really cool experience. And uh, we'd love to, if you did go, get in touch with us. We'd love to hear about that, talk about that on our, on our weekly show, too. So um, get in touch with us. We appreciate hearing from you. Thanks, guys. <laughs>